I know that my MS and then the, the things that followed definitely opened my eyes to what I do have and how blessed I am that I've been leave, living one day at a time. How blessed that I know that I really only have today and how blessed I am that if I don't do the, all the parts of Alcoholics Anonymous, I could drink again. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Hola, que tal? That was the voice of Nancy B that you heard at the beginning of this episode. This being episode number 160 when Nancy B called How Blessed I Am. And you will be hearing so much more from her in just a moment, but... First things first, this episode right here, right now, at this very momento, is brought to you by Sean and Maureen and Olivia. Do you know what Sean and Maureen and Olivia did? Well, let me fill you in if you're new to the program. They went to our website, SoberSpeak.com, and they clicked on the little yellow Donate tab, and they made a contribution. Thank you so much, Sean and Maureen and Olivia. This episode is coming right out to youans. And notice how that phrase entered my head right before I started here. Hola, que tal? Uh, I don't know exactly. I know hola means hello. Que tal? I'm not exactly sure of. It just kind of popped into my head. It's one of those little things that you remember from your high school Spanish class. And I believe it's some sort of greeting. I'm almost positive. So, hola, que tal? I, John M., will be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings. And I am truly honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in. So take a seat, if you will, around this virtual table and let's get started. We are gonna have another big Zoom shindig. Yes, we're going to have a big Zoom shindig. And what that means is this, is we are going to, this will be our final live event for the year of 2020. And it will feature the one and only Mr. Gary K. This is going to be on December 4th at seven o'clock PM. That's December 4th, Friday at seven o'clock PM. 
uh, Central Time here in the United States de la America. So mark your calendar, 7 o'clock p.m. Central Time, December 4th, uh, and we will get this information. First of all, I don't have the information for the Zoom uh, uh, stuff the ID and password and all that sort of stuff up on the website as of yet, www.soberspeak.com. But by the time you ones are listening to this particular episode, we will have that posted for you. So you can go to our website, soberspeak.com, and all the Zoom ID information will be there. And we would love to have you what we're going to do with Gary Kay is what we've done with our other live events. Uh, the first part of the live event is going to be, at least we've done this with the Zoom live events. The first part of the live event will be me and Gary engaging in a little bit of a conversation. And then after that, we are going to open it up for you Ewans, you guys, y'all, to go ahead and uh, ask some questions of Mr. Gary K. yourself. So we will look forward to seeing you there. If you're not in the Super Secret Facebook group, we would love for you to be there. Just send me your email associated with your uh, with your Facebook account to John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com, and we will get you invited there. So speaking of the Super Secret Facebook group, um, I wanted to give a shout out to Jenny L., who has been featured on this podcast before. She, within the group, has posted a an online resource in there. It includes Zoom meetings all over the world. Uh, it includes podcasts. It includes AA speaker tapes. It's like a 15 page long document. And so all that is in there. And I'm so thankful that you do all that, uh, Jenny. I really do appreciate it. So I just finished up uh, speaking at the Staying Connected group in Maryland. Suzanne R. invited me to do that. And uh, Suzanne R. has actually been on this podcast in the in the past. And I just want to say thank you so much, uh, the Staying Connected group in Maryland, uh, for allowing me to be of service. It was great. Absolutely fantastic to spend time with all of you, virtually, that is. And uh, uh, I hope that our paths cross again soon. This is a little bit of a, a feature I've been doing here lately, and this is called <laughs> Deep Thoughts, presented by John M. So, the Deep Thought presented by John M. today, and by the way, that's a takeoff on Jeep Deep Thoughts by Jack Candy, the Saturday Night Live thing, if you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, the Deep Thought today is, the danger with missing meetings is that soon you will not miss the meetings. The danger with missing meetings is that soon you will not miss the meetings. Deep Thoughts, presented by John M. <laughs> Thank you all for letting me have some, <laughs> some fun with this. I have to keep myself entertained, all right? You do this week after week after week, and you just got to throw a little something in there new every once in a while. Nonetheless, this week, folks, on to the the real stuff, the the stuff that you're here to hear, uh, here to hear, H-E-R-E to H-E-A-R. That just kind of caught my own attention while I was saying that. My apologies. But 
Folks, this week we are presenting to you Nancy B. And the episode is called How Blessed I Am. We spend a good bit of time discussing Nancy's um, health issues. Nancy was diagnosed with multiple scler- sclerosis, MS, uh, right at her 20-year birthday in sobriety, uh, NAA, and we talk about how that diagnosis led to some various medical complications uh, subsequent to her diagnosis and how that has changed the trajectory of her journey in Alcoholics Anonymous. Nancy says that she was, quote, spiritually lazy, unquote, at one point in her journey in Alcoholics Anonymous and that her her health issues helped her to uh, overcome that. Before Nancy arrived in Alcoholics Anonymous, she described herself as, quote, unteachable and arrogant, unquote. We discuss the alcoholic uh, home that Nancy grew up in and how she learned um, that anger and punishment uh, was a way of life and how she learned to change that in Alcoholics Anonymous. Nancy provides her own version of the promises, and we speak about how her parents, pa- when her parents passed on, she had no unfinished business with either of them. Folks, you'll hear us talking about on this particular episode how Nancy, uh, I think it was the day after we recorded this, was going in to have some tests done at the hospital. And I don't want to go into great detail here uh, because I haven't, um, anyway, I just don't want to go into great detail here for several reasons. But all I will say is this, is that Nancy could use your prayers at this time. So if you have a moment in your day and you can pass that, pass a prayer up for Nancy B. Um, I sure would appreciate it, and I'm sure she would as too. We will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this episode. So enjoy Nancy B, and we'll see you on the other end. Okay, everybody. So today we are sitting here with Miss Nancy B from the Denton, Texas area, right in my uh, neck of the woods. And uh, first things first, Nancy, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself and give your sobriety date if you wish, please. Okay. I'm Nancy B and my sobriety date is November the 7th, 1981. It's a great day to be sober. I want to go ahead and give a little shout out on the front end of this. Uh, Mr. Kevin, he is probably listening, but Kevin is the gentleman who gave me your, your contact information. He... Oh, for lack of a better phrase, I guess, worships the ground that you walk on. He has wonderful things to say about you. Thank you. He's a dear friend. He's a good guy. So we have Nancy B. from Denton, Texas, which is, uh, for those of you who are uh, wondering, and probably nobody is, but I'm thinking about it now. Uh, I live on the north end of Dallas, and Denton is probably about, I don't know, 20 miles or so north of uh, Dallas, just depending mm-hmm. on where you're coming mm-hmm. from. Dallas is a pretty spread out area and she lives up there. And so I always have a struggle with, okay, how do we cover your years in sobriety since 1981 cover before that time within a condensed uh, uh, fashion here? So why don't you kind of start us out where you want to start us out? Tell me about where you came from, you know. Uh, what made you who you are today? What shaped you? Uh, what kind of high-level information do you want to give to us there? Okay. 
Well, I am Nancy B, and my sobriety date is November 7th, 1981, as I said. I grew up in alcoholism, and I know that's not unique um, in our rooms, but um, I have some memories. My memories growing up, my first memory um, of the few is having my mother grab my dad's face in the kitchen, and she'd yank it around and say, Ray, I want you to go to work. And she'd yank him back around, and then I want you to come home. And I thought immediately, uh, this is going to be bad. My, my dad must be uh, special. I mean, how, how would you? How would you Does he not understand? <laughs> well, well, apparently not. Yeah. He, uh, he didn't have any trouble uh, going to work. He, so he gave us uh, financial support. And, but the coming home part was pretty rough for the old boy. Because he did work, he believed that he should be able to go by the local and have a couple of beers with his friends, and he would come home and have dinner. Now, that never happened, but uh, what I know today is he had no idea that uh, because he was alcoholic, as he diagnosed himself, um, he had no idea that phenomenon of craving was going to happen, not maybe, not sometimes. And so often, you know, the weight was on, and my mother um I'll throw in there was an alligator. <laughs> she, you know, she they can track you down, big old eyes. And, <laughs> because when he didn't get home on uh, on time, she'd put put me in the car and say, "Let's go," because she'd call all the bars, and you know the good uh, bartenders knew what to say. She'd say, "Is Ray Burkhalter there?" Nope. Is Ray Burkhalter? Nope. Well, now we know where he isn't. Right? Doesn't get an alligator down. Put us in the car, and we're gonna go track him down. And we mm. did. We tracked him down, and uh, you know I would beg him to come home, and we'd get out in that parking lot. And one of the reasons I know it's alcoholism is because my mother would say, "I want you to ride home with your daddy." Now she didn't have any idea how much he'd had to drink, how long he'd really how long he'd been there, but she knew he would come home. And those scary rides when uh, with him drunk trying to get to the house, so we could sit down and have that happy dinner, which never happened. Mm-hmm. What I learned there, because my mother would say, don't you talk to him. And I thought, oh, good. You know, we find out where he isn't. We go get him where he isn't so we can bring him home and not talk to him. I can't wait to get married. So <laughs> it's one of those things where, but what I learned from that is the solution to alcoholism for her was anger and punishment. If we didn't go get him, he wouldn't know that we're angry with him. And if we did, if we talked to him, he wouldn't know that he was being punished. And that's what I took and out of alcoholism and my home and growing up in my home. Well, so obviously I'm not going to drink, not somebody who drank in middle school or high school, really in, in college. I don't have a memory of drinking in college. But in that home life, when somebody drank, the chaos was on. When somebody drank, the fight was coming. And I didn't ever see social drinking. We didn't have people over for barbecues or Super Bowl. It seemed to me that I agreed with my mom that drinking is bad and people who drink are very bad. And I also discovered when I was about 10 that I was brilliant, you know, intellectually superior. Now, if you're an alcoholic of my type, as they say, you know what I'm saying for real. I know I'll never be big enough. I'll never be enough. I'll never be enough. And so I developed an arrogance early on. Uh, uh, you know, alcoholism tears us down, so you don't think you're good enough. But I developed this arrogance that was palpable. I acted, uh, the first of all, looking good was the most you know, important thing. 
And I, I uh, always acted like we had more money than we had. Uh, again, that I was smarter than I probably was and just all those things. Um, I, you know, and I began to treat my parents like second class citizens. I was horrible. And I never talked about that on the bar stool, by the way. I always talked about how my dad ruined my whole life. I couldn't mm. finish. I couldn't finish the sentence with, "Out, my dad ruined my whole life," and uh, but I did. I just developed this arrogance, and th- you know, like I, I it, it's indescribable. But think two things. I really, I think I'd want to leave with that is my arrogance and always looking good, but all, but also the fact that. I was about as unteachable. I was about as un, I mean, there is not a chance in the world I could have ever been alcoholic. I was too smart. Uh, maybe you'll hear uh, at some point about my education because uh, that's a lot about my story. Um, you know, I did well in school. Uh, I, w- I went to college. Of course I did. And uh, I, uh, I, I went to school out of town because I wanted to get away from alcoholism, which by the way, if you're new, you don't. Mm-hmm. When you move, you're there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, when you move, you're there. So that's what I, I took with me uh, about drinking and, uh, and about the pain that it causes everybody. Alcoholism doesn't leave anybody out. Not the so children. I, want ask a, okay. I want to ask a question real quick about the, uh, the, uh, uh, discovering at 10, you were brilliant. That, yeah. that just kind of, that caught my attention. Does yeah. that mean like all of a sudden you were in school and they, they figured out you were scoring very high on tests and such yes. like that? In my, well, I kind of, I was a legend in my own mind. Yeah. Um, I, like I, I was a good student and I worked hard, but I don't know why this is coming up, but in school, I felt more freedom to be creative, more freedom to express myself, which I never felt at home. And I would get recognized for that. But I have to tell you, if acting badly that day got me attention, I'd act badly. If acting, you know, good or or doing well, then I acted that. I was desperate for attention. So I believed by my actions, uh, my arrogance and my actions, that I was smarter than. And whatever. And like I said, um, I guess I have a relatively high IQ, but mostly I needed to believe that. Right. Okay, so you're growing up in chaos, uh, for lack of a better word. You're using your uh, intellectual capabilities to escape some Mm -hmm. of what's going on Mm -hmm. at home. Absolutely. Uh, And take me from there then. Okay, so um, again, I'm not going to drink like ever. I'm never going to be my like my pathetic loser uh, father, which I said much worse things. But I'm not going to do that. So I go to college, and but I begin to have friends. You know, alcoholism really doesn't teach you how to be a friend. And I begin to have friends. I, I'm an athlete. I was an athlete. So um, what kind of athlete? Uh, volleyball and badminton. I mean, competitive, not bad, not backyard. <laughs> right, right, right. And uh, Which, yeah, I, I played on the varsity volleyball team at Sam Houston State University, and it was oh, a, wow. it was, a, it's an amazing part of my life. Um, again, I'm not drinking, and 
I would not, never have considered drinking in athletics. And I had great uh, influence in college, both in, in my educational endeavor and in my athletics uh, in terms of coaches. And so I did that, but I met friends who drank. And, oh, my my feeling was, thank God I got here because I know about anger and punishment. And I would. I, if they wanted to go drink, I'd say, nobody can go unless you can fit in my car. And I'd get them out in the car and I'd say, how many are you going to have? So as you can see, I'm really competing with alcoholism, alcohol already. And I would take them someplace. And yet when they drank too much and did things that I didn't think they should do, um, I punished them. I would t- get them home. And um, I mean, this is terrible to say out loud, but I might help them halfway up the stairs and then I'd let go. <laughs> and they go, oh, no. bam, 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 bam. And <laughs> well, it still makes my heart go up really today. But um, the truth is, is I felt I didn't feel guilty. I wanted to keep them from being the, the, the losers and pathetic and never successful people that my dad were. Drinking's bad and people who drink are very bad. And I really did that for a very long time. And I'm still trying to be the best in school be the best worker in athletics uh, to look good. And I I love those things, but I I, I just can't probably quit saying that really looking good and um, was so paramount to me. And and, in a way, there was nothing authentic about me because I wanted you to see who I was going to be someday rather than who I was because I was so afraid you'd find out something I didn't know, find out, you know, whatever that didn't make me look good. And, you know, it's a very tedious and exhausting life. And I haven't taken a drink. I haven't taken a drink. I've just, uh, you know, set my goals from from that vantage point. So something's been on my mind. I'm going a little bit out of order here. I do this a lot. But we, before we started talking, we talked about some of the uh, the health issues that you have mm-hmm. been experiencing lately. And so I know that you said that you're going, so I have heard you talk about the health issues and then I've been on a, you host a Friday night meeting, by the way, yes. uh-huh. a speaker meeting. Mm-hmm. And if anybody, if you give me the link to that, I'll put it in the show notes. I sure will. Anybody enjoyed, you have a bunch of really, really great speakers in mm-hmm. there. I absolutely love it. From all over the country. Right, right. Uh, Nancy is well connected with a lot (laughs) of different speakers through the years in Alcoholics Anonymous. You've been out to many conferences and speaker engagements yourself. Mm -hmm. So she knows them all. And uh, anyway, we'll put that in the show notes. Um, But I've heard you mention it on there also. And in fact, one of the nights, somebody asked you after the meeting was over, they said, how are you feeling, Nancy? And you said something to the effect of most of my parts are working well. <laughs> like kind of like, I guess, uh, keeping the, looking the, or, uh, looking at the, uh, the sunny side of things, I guess. Yeah. So tell me what's going on, Nancy, what, what's going on with your health? Okay. In 2003, I was uh, diagnosed, diagnosed with MS and it, as probably most people know, that there's many challenges with that. MS uh, attacks the central nervous system, and at any given time, you may get different uh, symptoms. And the symptoms may, in fact, be that particular symptom may be for that day, a week, six months, or perhaps they'll stay on forever. 
And so at different times, you know, I've had, you know, I have a lot of weakness and fatigue. Um, mm, um, I just, uh, I just got diagnosed with drop foot and it, I feel like I'm wearing flip flops only on one foot. Cause uh, you, step, <laughs> oh, no. you step and then flap step, you know, and I do have to oh, laugh at it. So I'm, I'm having treatment for that. And, um, but various things uh, that go into that uh, nerves. Uh, I can be uh, sitting at any time and I'll have a nerve twitch or something and you can't not go ah! <laughs> kind of because it's, it's like the nerve lights up or um, uh, sometimes I, I have to sleep in a circle because if I'm sleeping on one side, then it begins to burn and or whatever. I mean, you know, there are different challenges and yeah. I'm, I'm probably forgetting some but um because they do come and go i have been in remission a lot uh, that as they say um i have relapsing remitting and and when the symptoms come on you know heat you know heat summer times are tough i can't get in a, yeah I can't get in a hot car so we have to start the car ahead of time and so you know of course yeah, there there're definitely some challenges and then um, since then, I've been diagnosed with, I think it's temporal lobe seizures. Um, I, it's not a, a, a seizure where you actually, your body seizes up, but there might be some hesitation. And again, uh, it may happen sometimes. I actually don't know most of the time um, when it happens, but I have been diagnosed uh, with that. So um, I don't drive. And that was a tough one. That's a tough one. And um, but as you know, I have so many people who step up and help me uh, with getting places. But um, and I'm sure they uh, they had they discovered and created Lyft and what is the other one? Uber, Uber. just for me because I for need you, to come yeah. right. But um, so that's a challenge, and because. I can't in clear conscience, and this is all Alcoholics Anonymous fault, by the way, I can't in clear conscience drive. What if that one time when a child, you know, runs out in the street or whatever, and I'm certainly not patting myself on the back, um, you know, uh, breaking my arm to pat myself on the back. It's just that you taught me it's not the right thing to do. I didn't want to retire. Uh, but I couldn't give a hundred percent to students that deserve that, and uh, I'm so glad, you know, for my program. And then, like uh, the, the I've had uh, AFib, have AFib, uh, which is irregular heartbeat, and and eventually had to have a an ablation, which has helped with that. Um, I, I because of my EMS, I should say I have infusions every other week, um, where you know just a three hour infusion. You know, that uh, I believe helps with the symptoms. There's not a cure for MS, but it, it helps with some things. And um, and now I'm having, um, because of MRIs and PET scans for my MRI, MRS, they found some nodules on my lung, I guess about a year ago, um, actually my lung and some other parts in my body. But the one in my right lung has grown. So on Monday, I'm going to have a surgical lung biopsy and we'll get that done and and yeah i think they've done all the parts we started with my brain obviously 
and we've gone uh-huh. down. And that's why I say parts of me are excellent. But anyway, they've gone down the way, found a brain, found a heart. Uh-huh. And uh, and I made a comment to one of my friends. I said, well, at least there's nothing wrong with my feet. And then a month ago, I get drop foot. So. Oh, no. <laughs> so oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop saying anything. <laughs> But you know what? I'm so blessed. So that's why I laugh every day and I probably cry every day. Sometimes I let myself cry. Let me do a little break here and I want to talk about that a little bit more. We will be continuing our conversation with Nancy B in just a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at SoberSpeak.com. There you can find... 155 plus other episodes you can listen to for free. You can also find the donate button on our website if and only if the spirit moves you to use it, you could do such. Please keep in mind this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. Sober Speak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. All right, now back to Nancy B. So, Nancy, when you, I guess I want to go back to when you figured out or determined that you had MS. Mm-hmm. You've obviously been sober for quite a long period of time. Um, you know, people talk about working this thing one day at a time. You know, some of us kind of give it lip service like me sometimes. I don't really do it to just talk about it. But my guess is that came full force running into your life. And, and so how did you, well, what is your experience navigating through that part of your life? I think the the main thing may be that uh, good sponsorship, because uh, it took me a it took me longer than I'd like to admit to get it that I had MS. You know, I could have three days in a row, and I'd say, "Oh, good, I don't have MS anymore." And um, so there was some denial there. And at some point, my sponsor had me uh, make a list of my new normal. I can't drive. There are times when I can't. There are times, you know, things like um, I fell off of a ladder <laughs> um, because I've always changed the air condition vents, air conditioner vents. I've always done that. But, apparently, you know, with my balance, balance is something that you deal with with MS. And so when I looked at the new normals, and that was another, you know, click that I've, I have this, you know, it's only Saturday today. It's only Saturday, so each day um, is a new beginning, if you will, and taking a look at that and then paying attention to what I can do instead of what I can't do. I mean, I do I have days when I wake up discouraged? You bet. I now have um, relentless nausea and headaches every day, every day, and they're, they're trying to figure that out. But, you know, it, so... Today, I slept, you know, I, I rest, you know, I think that I rest. I, I use the time that I have in that day to do some things that I love. I like to garden. Um, I'm getting better at, okay, in this day, I'm going to allot this much time, but I need to stop. I need to stop. Absolutely. I should have started with um, um, meditate, prayer and meditation and I read page 86 through 88 
um, and I read some of the meditation books, and then I hit my knees. And I ask God to remind me that I want to be who he would have me be. Uh, Remind me of that, please, because when I get off into negativity, when I get off into grandiosity or arrogance, which I can do, you know, zero to 30 seconds, um, remind me that on Saturday, I'm going to get to be with John and do that at three o'clock. I get to go to Polly Pistol's. 80th birthday on Zoom. I mean, uh-huh. what a, I mean, what a privilege. And at 7.30, I get to be of service in California. It's just kind of funny to say, I'm going to California tonight. No <laughs> airports. <laughs> and, you know, those kinds of things keep me. That's what I'm going to do today. Tomorrow, I'm going to hope the Cowboys win. And <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping saying that is going to be some. Somehow. Yeah, but but I guess that's that would be right. Starting my day, asking God to remind me that it's only Saturday, and if I start thinking about Sunday and I wonder, well, am I going to wake up uh, sick? Am I going to be able to do this? Am I whatever? What what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And uh, what's going to happen on Monday? What's going to happen on Monday? Is the doctor going to be sober? <laughs> whatever <laughs> you know, right? And, uh, so. Can you, I guess, describe your spiritual state before you learned that you had MS and kind of after coming into these Mm -hmm. years where you have had to work the program kind of in a a little bit of a different way? Is there any sort of significant difference? You know, I, I think there were times before I could for sure say that I would get spiritually lazy. I know the things that keep me between the lines. That's what I call the third step. Just keep me between the lines. And I think there were times when I allowed my job um, to overpower that. In other words, I came to to TWU uh, as an adjunct. In other words, a a temporary professor. I'm not thinking of the word right now. And so the next year they opened up a national search as they do and um so i had to reapply and i really wanted that job uh, i was not ill i was uh you know 100 percent prepared for my job um even though um, i was not neglecting my sobriety and my recovery i just feel like that it, there was a time there that i wanted so badly to get that job and 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 I'm sure there were times when, you know, well, uh, I probably should go do this rather than make that meeting. But I'm going to go to another meeting. I'll go to another meeting. Um, you know, I think I call it spiritually um, uh, lazy. I was uh, I, w- I worked some with Larry Johnson, you know, one of our. Uh, big giants that has gone home to the big meeting in the sky. But, and he had me, um, I was go- struggling. I was struggling. And he had me um, put my my hand up in front of me with my palm towards me and spread my fingers out as far as I could. And he'd say, well, take the, the little finger. Not that that's significant, but I'm going to meetings. I'm praying. I'm, I'm working with other whatever. 
And then he'd say, what's in the middle of those fingers? What's in the middle of those fingers that uh, you're, you know, you slacked off? And there wasn't something, uh, what is a good way, in my face. Like you said, I hadn't been diagnosed. I wasn't having to take a look uh, daily on the challenges, not only that I was having, but that I was going to have in the future, potentially. And so I think there were some times that that's the best I would describe it. I am grateful that, again, I've always had strong, uh, strong sponsorship. Uh, sponsors who think you should work this program like 24-7, no spring break, no Christmas break. I'm an, I'm an educator, <laughs> please. And, so I really have always had uh, sponsorship that, you know, I a- actually would turn myself in. I would say that I'm irritable and discontent again. Uh, what's going on? Is this all? Uh, I might have said on more than one occasion, more than I probably say today. Um, is this it? Is this all there is? Oh, and boy, this came up for me just now. Of what did I do to deserve this? That negative self-talk became way, way too prevalent. What did I do to be sick? Am I not working my pro- program? And or before, I guess, as you asked me, um, it started then that negative talk of, you know, the happening. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? You know, it, I've always heard people say that, you know, it, you know, it's a bad day when, when the, the d- denial and and uh, discouragement and doubt wake up before you, and they're standing at the bed. At, uh, at the end of the bed said, oh, no, don't get up. <laughs> don't get up. It's going to be bad today. And uh, and those, those certainly were looming, looming. And I want to say uh, out loud, and even though I was in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, some people are going to experience that. Even though I had, uh, I had not turned 20 years sober yet, but, I, you know, I had a, a program. But alcoholism is alive and well. And yes, on my shoulder, you know, waiting when I I let the arrogance of wanting a job, wanting to do better than somebody else, look better, make sure that, um, you know, take a a look to make sure what I look like to other people in my profession, certainly at my university. And I know that um, my MS and then the, the things that followed definitely opened my eyes to what I do have and how blessed I am that I've been living one day at a time. (laughs) How blessed that I know that I really only have today and how blessed I am that if I don't do all the parts of Alcoholics Anonymous, I could drink again. And it doesn't matter whether I, if there's a cure for MS tomorrow or if they find that the mass in my lung is, is benign, it doesn't matter. If I if I forget the things that are helping me be who I am today, you know, I just like anyone else could say, pour me a drink. I want to go back to your mom and dad again. Like I said, we're, I'm a little all over That's the right. place here. Um, but did your dad ever find any sort of 
recovery program? Did your mom ever find something like that? And anybody else in your family? Um, I have very, very, very uh, few uh, childhood memories that are that are pleasant. But my mom, uh, when my mom got really ill, she came to live with us. And various times I would ask questions or she got to see that, you know, my recovery, people in my home and whatever. And she said, do you remember that your dad went to treatment? And she said, my dad went, your dad went to treatment because he got drunk all the time. That's the way she uh, uh, described it. And I said, no, I had no, I I, I don't remember it. Uh, This is strange. She said, you don't remember there was a time, there was about a month when you're in high school, you got to drive his truck to school every day. And there was a part of my mind that clicked into that because I didn't have my own car. Now, that seems strange to me, but there was that was the correlation. I don't, and I suspect because we didn't talk about things. We didn't. There was no affection in my home. Um, we really didn't talk about things. So I suspect I, I was not told. Uh, your dad is going to go go someplace to get help. Your dad's going to go into something that's called a treatment center, and hopefully he'll give him tools or whatever to not drink. And I I suspect that was never talked about. Um, and I think maybe whether she knew it or not, because I have to remember she grew up in the same alcoholism. She was in that same family. And she, her dad was alcoholic. He, he was very quiet. My my dad was very loud and somewhat violent. And so, um, I don't I don't remember. My mother certainly did not um, seek, to my knowledge, or find recovery of any kind. She believed that she had exactly what she needed. That she could control it. Uh, she could maybe if she even did things differently, he might stop drinking. But um, when he got home, I, I can't say that he stayed sober for a while or whatever, but he certainly did not stay sober. You know, his, his alcoholism, because if she said that was in high school, it certainly escalated. Um, and when I was in college, you know, my father and I, I, apparently I'm a lot like him. And we, we had key words, if you will, that just started the fight. And so when his alcoholism expanded, um, certainly before I got sober, my arrogance did. And, um, and so there, there was a fight all the time. And it wasn't, it wasn't till a while into my recovery that I got willing to, you know, mend that relationship. So. No recovery so, before. <laughs> no recovery, right. Okay, gotcha. What, did you have brothers and I have sisters? one brother. He's five years older. And uh, I used to tease, uh, when he went to A&M, I became an only child. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I didn't know him. I didn't know him. I mean, uh, first of all, he was old enough that I don't think we ever went to school in the same place. But again, in our alcoholism, there wasn't any. Um, closeness to speak of. And I have so few memories of him. For for example, today I know he has a, a great sense of humor. You know, I, I never knew that. Uh, he seemed rather boring to me, <laughs> I think. 
I mean, but now he was the hero child. You know, we don't use that uh, language much. A what hero child. child. I, I know we don't use that term really in AA, but you know, he wanted to he wanted to protect me. I was told he when I was out um, on the town, even though I da- didn't drink, I got out of my house as often as I could, and I might be at the party or whatever on a weekend, and my brother was at home maybe inviting a friend home uh, over because he didn't want my mother to be alone. And, you know, I would have never thought of that. You know, he, he certainly, and, and as he is today, he is just a kind, kind uh, man. He was always calm. I was in trouble in school. You know, he wasn't. <laughs> so was there a straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, when it comes to you entering into Alcoholics Anonymous? What was that period like for you? Well, uh, to be honest, uh, my story is that I was clueless. I would be taking credit that I shouldn't take credit for. If I'd said, boy, I, I hit bottom. Um, I knew, oh my gosh, I need help. Again, my arrogance, I knew, I knew that I started, when I started drinking, first of all, some people came over and they wanted to party. And I was like, oh, let's party. I mean, out of the blue, out of the blue, I had not partied with them, uh, drank with them in college. And, but I wasn't going to drink like my dad and I was too smart to drink like my dad, but I don't, I'm not Mm -hmm. in trouble. And I had I had values. I'm not going to drink and drive. Pathetic. I'm not going to da da da. That's pathetic. And I'd I'd done that. I had done that. Still clueless. I'm still not doing it like my dad, which is you know my barometer. So, but so somebody else said um, saw that I my, my bottom, if you will. Somebody else said you have a problem with alcohol and and you need help and there is a solution. It was when I and I went to a meeting. And I felt sorry for you. I thought, this is ridiculous. All I did was judge. It was in AA that when I, real, when I realized I'm in trouble, when I drink, I compromise everything that I, you know, that I want to be. I say yes when I mean no. Everything. I had broken down my... Uh, you know, my actions then were pitiful and comprehensible and demoralizing. But the truth is, I'm really, I was really clueless. But when I kept hearing your stories and the fact that you had acted like I did and um, began to see the harm, it, it just amazes me that I didn't, you know, hit so hard a, a bottom that I bounced. I began to say, oh my gosh, I too had alcohol in my desk when I was teaching school. I, too, should have, should have been in prison. I drove drunk. I rationalized that, I, whatever. But I'm not somebody who just, you know, out there recognized that I needed help. I never did. So before we started today, uh, you were asking if we were going to, you know, if there was going to be any uh, images that went out with this. And I said, no, you said good, because uh, pretty much I I have to put on my dress up pajamas <laughs> yeah. when, when that is yeah. happening. And you're saying you barely get out of your pajamas. So, so getting back to the kind of what 
Okay, so I know you went through the period uh, after the discovery of Mm -hmm. your MS, and then we've been over this, you know, however many months it is now with the coronavirus and Zoom, like just took off like crazy. Has that been kind of a a a blessing in some ways for you since you can't get out to as many meetings? Oh, well. And let me just comment quickly about the pajamas. If we were, if I was speaking in a meeting right now, or this was live, I I would be dressed. I would be dressed just as though I was standing behind the podium uh, at a convention. That's something that my sponsorship has passed down, and it's important to me. Um, Today, this is an unbelievable privilege, and I don't ever want to forget that for me to get to share in this in this uh, setting right now. And so I would be. I would be dressed if it were if you could see me, um, but so that's why. I, so well, that's why look, I said dress. You look great to me. <laughs> so that's why I said at least I'm in dress pajamas, which which I'm not. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, remind me of the question. <laughs> I'm I'm. The, so I was <laughs> I'm say maybe out of season. Oh, the Zoom, <laughs> the Zoom, the yeah. Zoom, and yes, uh, as as much as um, I pray certainly every day for those people who are suffering and uh, I've had to be tested many, many times because of the procedures. And, uh, but it hasn't been a, in a blessing in some ways because the only time I can get out basically is when I'm going to a doctor's appointment or, um, you know, the hospital or whatever. And, and now I do get in the car sometimes uh, when Sherilyn's going to drive me through a drive through, you know, <laughs> and, uh, um, but you know that I, I I need to do that to be responsible. But um, I'm going to a meeting every day, and um, you know you, I, I got to throw this in again. I'm not breaking my arm to pat myself on the back. Uh, maybe you're new here, and somebody said go to 90 meetings in 90 days, and I'm sure I rolled my eyes and said I am so sad. That is something you guys need to do, and and so <laughs> I decided. I'm going to 90 meetings in 90 days, <laughs> and and I'm telling you, yes, it has been a blessing in that way, very much a blessing. Do you get as much out of the Zoom meetings as you would a traditional meeting? Um, oh boy, that's hard for me to answer. It took me, or uh, I, I don't, I don't think, so. I don't know. I may get as much at them. I'm uh, at them uh, in terms of sharing and uh, opportunities to share and. Uh, being able to hear other people share uh, as they would in a meeting, you know, but you know, the meeting before the meeting and the meeting after the meeting. Now, when I'm hosting a meeting, I do open it early. I call them the parking lot meetings, you know, so you can, you can talk in and after, right. but, but the other thing, so I, I made the adjustment by, uh, by, you know, I'm actually getting to see everybody face to face. And in some meetings you don't, you know, the person sitting in front of you or, uh, we get in a circle, but sometimes you really, it's hard for you to look around and see. And I like that. I like that. Uh, it took me a long time to be able to talk sitting down. I've never given my story sitting down. And so I had to stand <laughs> behind the chair. I mean, those are funny things. But, right. um, but you know, so once I uh, adjusted to that, um, I really, um, I don't know that I could ever say I would rather uh, it be virtual than be in a, a meeting. And, uh, but the truth is it, it's hard for me a little bit to answer that because I'm so grateful for the zoom. I, it, you know, can you imagine, um, 
I got to read how it works in South Africa. Now, mm. when I got off the meeting, I just cried like a baby. I felt yeah. so privileged. And I, I don't know. Um, you know, at our Friday night meeting, people are coming from Thailand and Japan and New Zealand. Some of those, it's the next day, <laughs> you know, or, and, right. you know, what a privilege to get to meet people like that, that I would never meet. And what made you think of that Friday night meeting? Do you remember what the genesis yeah, of it was? A couple of things. Um, how, how ex- when I got it, I could meet with my sponsees. We used to come to my house every week, every Sunday at 6.30. My sponsees are on Zoom. And wow, wow. And then it did hit me personally that uh, even though and before the pandemic, there were times I had to miss meetings. And um, maybe over you know, a long period of time, two weeks without a meeting is you don't want to be around me. So, I mean, it's like, <laughs> but, you know, so, but there, there were, and there were times I had to miss more than two weeks and how many people are there that that happens to and how many people, um, you know, we used to have a fella, uh, that, that was blind in our group. And, um, of course, there were people who helped when they could, but I think about the people all over the world who might be blind and don't maybe don't they don't have people who provide for that. Just in that in that sense, and that's why I made this meeting. We're going to go on long after the pandemic. People have sh- said yes. I've not had one speaker say no, and I have speakers mm. lined up. I think April of two thousand twenty-one, and. Wow. Uh, I haven't put the new flyer out, but, um, you know, what a blessing, what a blessing that, um, that this is for me and that meeting and that and meeting, every, I can be of service it, sitting in this chair. It's every Friday night at what it's time? It's eight o'clock central standard time. Mm. Right. Which is spread mm-hmm. across the world. There's mm-hmm. no matter, no telling what time it is yeah. where they are, right? But it's Friday night. Mm-hmm. So as we wrap it up here, Nancy, um, what do you want to say to the folks who are listening out there in all four corners of the world regarding your, your journey, um, what you've learned along the way? What sort of tidbits do you want to leave people with? Um, uh, through some promises that I was given, I called my sponsor one time and I was whining and whining and whining and uh, and uh, about something that I can't remember. Of course, it was so important. But <laughs> he could see right through me. And he said, oh, precious, which got my attention. I said, I have some promises for you that you can give away anytime you get this privilege to, to speak because they describe my life today. And they and, and, I, and I can promise anyone, whether you got sober yesterday or you have 50 years in it, you know, Clancy just died with what sixty-two or something. I don't know. Um, anyway, um, and that's if you if you don't take the first drink, you'll never be drunk again. Now I was almost too smart to get that, but truly, it's that first drink. If you don't take the first drink, you'll never be drunk again. I promise. I was promised if I went to a lot of meetings, go to a lot of meetings, Nancy, that you're going to meet people who feel the same way you do in the on the inside. I'd always wanted that 
for somebody to understand what it was like, that pain of alcoholism or the joy of recovery. And that you will, you'll meet those. Jocelyn and I are getting to, you know, we'll, we'll get to know each other better. And um, I was promised that if I'd study the literature, that every problem I had and every problem I caused, the answer is in the literature. And that's a promise and that I recommend. And I was promised that if I would work the steps in order with a sponsor, I could become anybody I wanted to be. Now, I didn't like me when I got there to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I was not likable when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. I was judgmental and arrogant. But now you're promising that if I work these steps in order with a sponsor, they get real touchy, by the way, if you're new, if you work one and then let them know. (laughs) So, but but think about that. You, You surrender, find a God, turn it over to something that you couldn't do. And first time, be honest, have somebody listen to you, you know, without judgment. And then clean up something so you're not looking over your shoulder all the time. I know that I'm not the only one in this in this podcast that didn't like to have to do that on a continuum. And then three steps, you know, ten's about me, eleven's about God, twelve's about you. So I get that. So that's yeah, those guidelines. And I like it tidbits that not only would I recommend but are in my life today so that in that one second's time, I don't say let's party. And then I was promised that God would always be big enough. If you'll recall how I, uh, talking about how I treated my parents horribly, horribly. My dad got sick in May of 1988 and I didn't know what to do. And I was given good direction. Touch him. I don't remember ever doing it. Look him in the eye and tell him that you love him if you do. And when he died on Christmas Day, 1988, I had no unfinished business. I had 12 years with my mom. And on the last day of her life, I couldn't have known. I'm sitting in the bed with her. She knew I had a commitment, and she knew what you had taught me about commitment, AA. And so I was sitting in the bed with her, and and she had her head on my shoulder, and I was rocking her. I used to whine about, I don't know if I was ever rocked when I was a baby. And I'm rocking her. And she kept saying, you've got to go. You have a commitment. Put her in a chair. And I knelt in front of her and told her that I loved her. Let me tell you, my favorite definition, this is in the seventh step, humility. Uh, My favorite definition is the ability to stand up, but the willingness to to kneel down. And when I I got that tidbit, get on my knees. I'm not saying that God doesn't listen or hear you. But for me, my experience is, that I get on my knees, and I did that with my mother. And at eight o'clock on November the on Thanksgiving nineteen two thousand, my mama went home, and I had no unfinished with either one of them, none, because God is big enough to take care of anything, no matter what I've done in the past. And the last one I was promised that I believe it, I would hope people would uh, do is be of service. Be of service that uh, give away a little bit. I was told Nancy, give away a little bit. Say yes when you can to Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, chair meetings, be a GR, do those things and you'll get back tenfold. And I promise you, if you're listening to this, if you're of service, you're going to get back tenfold. That's it. God bless you, Nancy. And I hope that all goes well with your procedure on Monday. And uh, 
I so much appreciate you coming in here and sharing your time and wisdom and insight with uh, all the various uh, listeners yeah. today. And I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. And I'm going to see you again on one of those Friday okay. night meetings soon. Yes. Okay. And thank you. Thank you. God bless you. And folks can't see, but we're doing yes, namaste absolutely. hands to each yes, other right we, now. <laughs> we kind of both thought of it at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. All right. God, God bless, bless you and your family and your thank loved you. ones. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Nancy, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for spending time with me and sharing your thoughts and sharing your story. Uh, with not only me, but all of the listeners who are tuned into this today. And I so much appreciate it. And as I said, everybody on the front end of this episode, Nancy was going for some tests in the hospital the day after we actually recorded this episode. And all I will say is this, just please keep Nancy in your prayers. Nancy, I'm thinking of you. I love you. And uh, hope to talk to you soon. God bless. All right, everybody. Now on to a little bit of a listener day la feedback. And the first bit of feedback comes in from Miss Patricia. And so <laughs> Patricia had, uh, I, I was communicating with her and I had asked her if she was still learning how to speak English by listening to the Sober Speak podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, English is her second language. And she wrote back in the title, the subject line of the, epi- of the, of the email was Claro. I notice how I roll my R's there. I'm just assuming you say it that way. C-L-A-R-O, triple exclamation point. And so I went and I, I, I had to look that up real quick. And, and I think it said something like, uh, uh, yes, of course. So that was absolutely fantastic. And she said, hola, in big capital letters, John of course, yes, I am still uh, <laughs> listening to Sober Speak to learn how to speak English. Oh, how sad. Well, I mean, not sad for Patricia, but I'm so sad that I, I guess it's sad. Maybe it's good, but I, I guess uh, I, I never thought about Sober Speak being a, 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 uh, uh, English as a second language uh, learning tool, but I'm so glad it is. She says, yes, and I continue learning and practicing as well. And what do you think happened to me, John? Question mark. She said, yes, I catch the bug with a big uh, sneezy face and a frowny face. And she's talking about coronavirus, I'm sure. But thank God I am already super fine. My husband and my daughter only had a fever for two days, but no other symptoms. Only I had other symptoms such as a loss of smell and taste. So you can imagine I was eating bowls and bowls of hot water. My husband said it was delicious chicken soup. 
<laughs> big smiley face. She says, I have my doubts about that with a guy or a gal rubbing their chin. <laughs> Lately, she says, I have not had the opportunity to listen to your podcast. Oh, what? That's probably why you caught coronavirus, Patricia. Um, <laughs> but she says, uh, uh, so often since I change places in my work and there are many people around and we are constantly communicating, but I keep listening when I have a chance. Thank you very much for your email and for continuing to find the time to send us greetings. Keep doing the work you love and you, and you doing very, very well. Stay healthy. I send you a big hug and my best wishes to you and all your family. God bless you always. A big smiley face with a halo around it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Patricia. And, you know, I can tell you I butcher Spanish so much more than you have ever butchered English. And I'm so, so happy uh, to have you as a listener. Thanks for sending that in. I appreciate it. Alan Post in the Super Secret Facebook group. He says, hey, all, thank you so much for allowing me into this amazing community of friends of Bill W. I've newly discovered this podcast and loved Matthew M's idea of the 12 surrenders. Wow. All of the speakers have been amazing and just kind of mind blowing. Sending out such gratitude for this program. You could tell uh, he's from across the pond when he spells program with an E on the end of it, uh, or M, two M's and an E on it. And anyway, and he says, and this fantastic AA book, which I recently bought the first edition replica, which means so much for me and, was, and has given me a new life beyond measure. He's saying he got a first edition of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Anyway, it says, wishing you all peace. He's talking to the people in the Facebook group and serenity from an overcast England <laughs> uh, uh, praying hands. Well, thank you, Alan, for posting that, especially about Matthew M. Uh, I, I absolutely love all of Matthew M's episodes, and you're right, I love how he refers to it as the 12 surrenders as well. Neil writes in, and the subject line of uh, his actual episode, uh, the, excuse me, of the email says, Jimmy D., 2018. And he said, I just finished up part two of Jimmy D's talk from 2018. And I wanted to tell you how phenomenal and inspiring these broadcasts have been to my sobriety, a meeting between meetings. I've been sober for seven years now. And while I am two years behind on catching up on Sober Speak, I listen to each one very slowly and very rigorously. Not only did I enjoy Jimmy D's story, but his challenge when it came to the traditions and the identity of each group. I believe I will be going early to my meetings and in big capital letters, participating in parentheses in people's lives more than trying to do any 12 step work, i.e. falsely thinking that just making copy coffee not copy. Coffee is my 12-step work. And then he says, I am also 54 years old and I appreciated his musical taste of the 1980s. Great question, by the way. 
I'm assuming I asked him something about the uh, 80s music. I can't, I can't remember. Anyway, he says, uh, anyway, keep up the good work. And if I ever find myself trudging the road of happy destiny through Texas, I will look you up. Peace. Neil H. of Westerville, Ohio, a suburb of Columbus, Ohio. Well, Neil H. will come on down Texas here. Now, the the problem is, you know, once you get in here, we won't let you out without a passport, but we would love to have you here. And thank you so much for writing in. And I, I passed on your comments to Jimmy D. Kimberly, direct messages moi on the Instagram. And she says, John, I have been listening to your podcast for about a year now. I got such a kick out of I get such a kick out of your quirky personality. I giggle my buns off when you say things like Ewans, by the way, that comes from my dad. He's from Tennessee. And listener de la feedback. <laughs> and especially your pronunciation of the word contribution. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, like I said, I got to keep myself entertained somehow, Kimberly. She says, I am currently struggling to stay sober. I can't put more than a month or so together and a bad day makes me slip. I have a sponsor and we are reading the big book and working the steps. I pray daily and speak with another alcoholic. I have been doing some service work. I now know I am an alcoholic and I can never safely drink. I don't deserve sobriety more than any other alcoholic, but I feel like giving up. I was hoping you could say a quick prayer for me, and I did, Miss Kimberly. I'm just reaching out to you because even hearing your voice gives me comfort. Oh, oh man, that makes me day. I, I, I just can't even imagine my voice providing comfort, but thank you so much, Kimberly. She says, even though I am mad at the world right now, when you speak on your podcast, I know you have been there. And I know you have experienced the promises coming true, and they can surely come true for me too. Kimberly, I have been there. I was in and out of the program for three years. Tons of the people listening right now have been there. I've seen this thing turn around for many people so many times. My prayer is that you hang in there and just keep doing the next right thing. I can't get you sober. I wish I could. If I had some sort of magic pill or some sort of magic wand that I could wave and get people sober, by God, I would, because I know what it's like. But I do know that it's possible. And I know it's possible because there are millions and millions of people around the globe who have gotten sober using Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a passion for me, right? I wouldn't be here doing this today if it weren't for what Alcoholics Anonymous has done for me and my life and my family and so many of those around me. God bless you, Kimberly. You keep coming back. It works if you work it. Sorry, folks. Rito... Or Reto writes in. <laughs> I don't know. It's R E T O. Now we have a we have a uh, we have a politician in the United States. His name is Beto, and maybe you pronounce this Rito, maybe you pronounce it Reto. I don't know. And I wonder if Reto eats Cheetos. <laughs> 
I'm so sorry. And Reddit was from Switzerland. He may not even know what Cheetos are. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Reddo eats Cheetos or Rito eats Cheetos. He says, hi, John. My name is Rito and I'm an alcoholic. I'm 41 years old and I live in Zurich, Switzerland. I try to improve my English. Well, you're doing really good so far, Mr. Rito. He says, I found your podcast by searching AA on Spotify, and I love the way you present your show. <laughs> you, may not, <laughs> you may not like it anymore, Rito. <laughs> and then he's got a big smiley face and a big thumbs up and a big praying hands, and he says, it's fascinating how many times I can laugh while listening to you and your guests. It's fantastic. He says, I'm now sober for 157 days. Yeehaw, Mr. Reno, that is fantastic. I'm so proud of you. He says, the best part of my new sober live, my sober live in, is in the morning when I wake up. I can remember everything in big capital letters from yesterday and not have to clean up the kitchen. <laughs> well, that's, that's a big benefit right there. He says, I have a sponsor and I have started the steps. Greets from Zurich. <laughs> Zurich in Switzerland, where you are so welcome, Mr. Rado. And then he says, one day at a time, and a big exclamation, it's a big dynamite uh, emoji thing, and a big uh, uh, smiley face thing. So, by the way, what what do they speak, what language is spoken in, in um Zurich. I guess that would. I mean, do do you do you speak Swiss? <laughs> you know, you can't speak Swiss. I think I think they speak German. I think it's German, uh, German in uh, Switzerland, if I'm not mistaken. But nonetheless, uh, enjoy the the Swiss cheese over there, <laughs> my friend. We really like it over here. I I I personally do. You know what? I'm lying. I don't even. I've been a vegan now for like four years that I haven't eaten <laughs> I haven't eaten cheese in four years. But uh I I really do appreciate just the kind I really wanted to visit Swiss. I mean, really deep down in the bottom of my soul. Or the depths of my soul, not the bottom of my soul. Oh, I want to visit Switzerland. I'm just gonna go on now. Alan <laughs> finally, finally for you all. This thing is about to come to an end. Alan, a direct messages on the Instagram. He says, hey, John, thank you for these amazing podcasts. Just found you via Amazon Music Podcast. Been listening today while I'm doing some decorating. He says, I've been in OA for 13 years, but back following a huge relapse last year. This year has opened up so many recovery possibilities. I'm very grateful. Wishing you peace and serenity. I would be interested in joining the Facebook community. Uh, I think my uh, email for the Facebook is such and such. That would be amazing and praying hands. Well, Alan, as you know, we got you in that super secret Facebook group and we are so 
glad to have you as part of the community. Uh, we, like I said, uh, for those of you who may be listening for the first time, it's not just for alcoholics. It's for uh, anybody in recovery or really anybody who wants to be there, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to believe me. We don't send any tests out to your house to see if you're actually in recovery. Uh, if you want to be in there and you think it'd be fun to be there, we or not fun, if, beneficial, I guess I should say, we would love to have you. All right, everybody, that's a wrap. Keep coming back. It sure does work if you work it. I'm taking this all one week at a time. Uh, I plan to be back next week. And uh, oh, 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 I, I just forgot one bit of uh, listener feedback. I'm so sorry. Um, this is from Keith in Waterloo, Iowa. He says, hello, John. I listened. I just listened to my first episode, Adam T. Great message from Adam T. As a recovering addict, I also have found it difficult to navigate through the singleness of purpose with others. The first few years, it was a F off. I'm both. I made it my mission. Because I'm an alcoholic and a meth addict, uh, that was saved from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body by AA. I've lightened up a bit in the last few years to make my message just more peaceful. He says, maybe I'm getting old and tired. Laugh out loud. Either way, I enjoyed listening and I may plagiarize some of that at my morning meeting this morning. He's got a big old smiley face and some clapping hands. And he says, thank you, Keith S. in Waterloo, Iowa at the Beginner's on the Hill Group. Well, if uh, anybody is listening out there at the Beginners on the Hill Group uh, and you know uh, Keith, say hello to him for me. All right, everybody. Once again, keep coming back. It works if you work it. One week at a time, I'll most likely be back next week. God bless y'all. I love you.